our psalm today, we read Psalm number 96, which is on the inside cover of your bulletin. We read it responsibly with the congregation reading those portions in bold type. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen. His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared by all the gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O kindreds of the people. Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come to his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Bear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigns. The world shall also be established so that it shall not be moved. He will judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar. Let the field be joyful in all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods shall rejoice before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. lesson appointed for today is recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 15, beginning at the fourth verse. For whatever things were written formerly were written for our learning, so that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded toward one another 
according to Christ Jesus, so that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall trust. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may with may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask you to please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel appointed for today is recorded in St. Luke's Gospel in chapter 21, beginning at the 25th verse. Jesus is here speaking and says, And there shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth the stress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. Men's hearts will fail them for fear and for apprehension of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. And he spoke to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now near at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, you know that the kingdom of God is near at hand. Truly I say to you, this generation shall not pass away until all is fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts are overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For as a snare it shall come on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Therefore be watchful all the time, praying that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Here ends our reading of the Holy Gospel. We join in confessing our faith. We do so today in the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 22. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, 
by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and descended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. We continue our worship by singing hymn 611, The Day is Surely Drawing Near.
Jesus Christ, we pray your Holy Spirit's blessing upon us today as we consider the teaching of your word. We pray that you would move us to repent of our sins, to look to you for mercy and forgiveness, and to seek to walk in your ways that we might be ready for the day of your return and your judgment upon the living and the dead. We ask these things for the sake of your cross your sacrifice for our sins. Amen. The word of God, which we consider today, is especially the last part of our gospel lesson, where we read these words, where Jesus is speaking, and he says, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts are overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and the cares of this life and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For as a snare it shall come on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Therefore be watchful all the time, praying that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. St. Luke in the 21st chapter of his gospel tells us of the discord of our Lord Jesus Christ, probably spoken on Wednesday evening, maybe Tuesday evening, but in the week in which he was betrayed and went to the cross. What prompted this conversation was the time that Jesus spent in the temple and the comments of his disciples there in the temple, for we learn from the scriptures that on Palm Sunday, Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem on a donkey and was hailed as the Messiah, the King of the Jews. The next day he cleansed the temple, driving out those who bought and sold there and overturning the tables of the money changers. And he continued to teach in the temple each day during that week and then in the evening he would go out to the Mount of Olives, which is just to the east of the gates of the city of Jerusalem across the Brook Kidron and up the hill toward Bethany on the Mount of Olives. And there he would spend the night, the evening, teaching his disciples even more. Jesus tells us in Luke 21 what would happen before his second advent. And we're, in, of course, in the season of Advent 
in which we prepare, seek to prepare ourselves for not only his first advent to celebrate Christmas, but to prepare ourselves for his second coming. And as Jesus was there in the temple with his disciples, his disciples were rather amazed at the temple. It was indeed a wonder of the world at the time. Herod's temple had these huge stones placed in place, covered with gold in many places. It was a beautiful place. And his disciples commented about it, and Jesus told them, the days are coming when not one stone will be left upon another. And then his disciples wanted to know, as we read in the opening verses here, they wanted to know when shall these things be and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And Jesus goes on to explain to them many of the things that are going to happen. And when you compare this to Matthew chapter 24 or Mark chapter 13, uh, you get the picture that there are really at least two, maybe three questions included in this one statement of questions of the apostles. They want to know, you know, what's going to be the sign when this comes to pass, when not one stone will be left on another but they also ask, you know, when are you coming back? What's going to be the sign of your coming? How will we know when you are coming back on this, in your second advent? And so Jesus, in these chapters of the Gospels, gives us his answer to those things. And of course, he warns them first, you know, see that you're not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not, therefore, after them. He points out that you know, there are going to be many false Christs and false prophets who are going to seek to mislead the disciples of our Lord Jesus. And he says that ye shall hear of wars and commotions, but be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. It's not yet. In fact, he points out in the Gospel of Matthew that first the gospel must be preached in all the world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so the, the wars, the earthquakes, the famines, and things that were going on and continue to go on in the world and continue to even to our day will continue to grow worse and continue to happen, but they themselves do not mean that the end is here. It only means that the end is drawing closer. The preaching of the gospel in all the world, when that has happened, it is indeed a sign that all is fulfilled and Jesus could come back at any time. I know I've told you many times that, in my opinion, that this is something that has really taken place in our lifetime or in you know the last century or so with missionaries traveling around the world, with radio, with TV, with internet, the gospel's been proclaimed in all the world for all people to hear. Jesus goes on to speak about the destruction of Jerusalem, which would happen in 70 AD when the Roman armies came and destroyed the city and indeed took apart the temple stone by stone in order to get the gold that 
had run between the stones when everything was burned in the temple. But in our text for today, he focuses on what will happen at the very end. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And so at the very end, before our Lord Jesus Christ comes back, the powers of heaven, you know, everything's going to begin to come apart. What that will be like, I can't tell you. I don't know that we have quite come to that point, though we are maybe getting close uh, to the day when those things happen. When the powers of heaven are shaken, the sea is roaring, uh, men's hearts are shaking for fear. He says, when they shall see the Son of Man, it says, then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And so when we see these things happening, while the world is terrified, you know, wondering what's going on, why everything is coming apart, we should be looking up because we know it means very soon our Lord Jesus Christ will appear in the clouds of glory with all his holy angels and that he will come to judge the living and the dead. Jesus tells the parable of the fig tree he says, behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. And of course we recognize that in the spring when the leaves begin to shoot forth and the trees begin to green, we know that summer is coming. And Jesus says, verily, or so likewise, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And so when we see all these things fulfilled, which Jesus has said, we should know that Jesus' return is close at hand. He could come at any time. He says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Indeed, a good many, if not all of these things, were already fulfilled in that very generation because the temple was destroyed, there were wars and rumors of wars, there were false Christs and false prophets, and so all these things were being fulfilled. Of course, this generation could refer not just to that particular generation of people, but also to the Jewish people. This generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. But our text at the end of it focuses on what we should be doing that we might be found ready on that day. And so Jesus says, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. 
And so Jesus warns his disciples, he warns each of us that we should take heed, we should listen to his word. And indeed, you know, this word that I read to you is not my word, it is the word of God. God is speaking to you. This is the word of our Lord Jesus, who is the eternal son of God, who came into this world to redeem us. He tells us we need to take heed. So we really do need to take heed and listen to his word and not say, well, this is just for somebody else. This is for you and it is for me. We are to take heed lest at any time our hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Being overcharged is very literal translation of the Greek, but it means to be overly burdened. I think the best, the best explanation I can think about it is those who load their own ammunition, they put too much powder in it is overcharged and it can not only destroy the casing, but it can destroy the whole firearm. Being overcharged is to be weighted down and you know just have way too much. And what is it that we have too much of? You know, it uses the word surfeiting. When you first read that, you might think, well, is this talking about surfing? No, it's talking surfeiting. Surfeiting is, I suppose probably the best way to explain this is, again, an overindulgence in something, and often it's in food. Uh, at the time of Jesus in the New Testament, uh, the Romans were rather well known for their huge banquets where they served course after course after course of food and in order that a people might fully partake and enjoy all this food in between courses, they would go out and regurgitate. I guess it's kind of a form of bulimia uh, so that they could eat more because they were overindulging in food. And so we are to be careful that we are not weighed down and over placing too much emphasis on food or in drunkenness or the cares of this life. Lest that day come upon you unawares. If you recall the parable of the sower, the sower goes out and sows his seed and you know some falls on the wayside, the birds come and eat it and take it away and some falls in uh, shallow soil and it you know, it begins to grow, but it can't have a deep root, and so it withers away. But some falls in thorny ground, and Jesus explains that they are so, people are so concerned with the cares and things of this life that it chokes out the word and keeps it from producing fruit in their lives. And, of course, all of these things apply to us, but certainly this thorny ground fits probably all of us. We are so concerned with the cares and concerns of this life, with all the things going on in the here and now that we neglect what is truly important. If you think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, you know, to take no thought for what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. And then later he says, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
and all these things shall be added unto you. Our first focus in life should not be on all the things of this world, not on what we're going to eat and enjoying life, not upon drinking or carousing and partying and all the fun that we can have. Our focus in life should be on seeking first the kingdom of God. Focusing on being sure that we are ready for the day of our Lord Jesus Christ's return because he could come back at any time. And so he says, you know, that we are to do this so the day, so that day does not come upon us unaware, unexpected. Now, if I ask you today, could Jesus come back today? I think all of us would say yes. How many of you expect Jesus to come back today? Probably none of us. And often we live our lives like, well, we've always got tomorrow to do this, or we've got another time to read and study the word. We've got another time to examine ourselves and to see if we're truly in the faith. And we put things off, not realizing that, you know, that, Jesus is going to come back at a time when people do not expect him. It's, Jesus compares it to the days of Noah when people were eating and drinking, they were giving in marriage as though nothing was ever going to happen, and all of a sudden the waters of the flood came. And so also in our time, people are going to be going about their lives, you know, they're going to be going to the soccer games, going to weddings, and uh, enjoying the things of this life, all that the world has to offer, and suddenly as a snare, as a trap, it shall come upon them. And really, if you think about a trap, even if you think about a snare as a trap, how many animals would step in the wrong place if they knew it was a trap? And yet, we are easily taken in a trap because even though we say Jesus could come back at any time, we probably don't really expect it. And he says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. If you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told his disciples to watch and pray. What did they do? They slept. And when Judas came, you know, for a little bit, they were ready to fight, and then they all ran away. Peter denied Jesus three times when he went. They were in hiding until after his resurrection. They didn't watch and pray. Jesus tells us to be watching and praying, not just once in a while, not just once a week, but praying always that ye may be able to, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And of course, all these things that shall come to pass takes in persecution, you know, that's spoken of in, in these chapters, takes into account what would happen to Jerusalem, takes into account, you know, parents turning over their children and children their parents, uh, all these things that are going to take place. We pray that we may escape 
all these things and stand before the Son of Man. How can that happen? I don't know whether you've ever thought about it, but I can tell you today that if uh, Jesus came back and Jesus cast me into hell, where he says there is wailing, crying, and gnashing of teeth. Some gnashing their teeth at God. I know, God, how could you do this to me? Because, you know, I was such a good person. I did all these things. You know, I tried to serve you. I tried to do my best. And here you cast me into hell. Others wailing because they heard the truth. They knew the truth, and yet they failed to heed the truth. If I were to be cast into hell, I think I would be wailing rather than gnashing my teeth at God because I know that's where I deserve to be. I know that I am a sinner. I know that as a sinner, I deserve God's eternal wrath and punishment. But Jesus tells us to watch and pray that we may escape all these things. Well, how do we escape them? We escape them not by anything that we do, but we escape them by what Jesus did for us. Jesus fulfilled all that God commanded in his thoughts, desires, and his words, and his deeds, and then he took your sins and my sins upon himself and suffered and died on the cross and paid the price in full in order that you and I might look to him and receive God's mercy and forgiveness. I always think the passage where Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 is so beautiful where he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it says that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus' first coming was not to condemn the world. He will condemn the world at his second coming. And so he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so our prayer should be that God would reveal to us our sins, our failings, that we might repent and look to Christ and his cross for mercy and forgiveness. If we go on with our lives, continuing in our old sinful ways, continuing in whatever habitual sins we have and are impenitent, thinking that that day will not catch us unexpected. Jesus' words are bad news for us because if we continue on in our sinful ways and our impenitence, do not look to Jesus and his cross for mercy and forgiveness continually, and then seek his help and strength to amend our ways, that day will find us unprepared and not ready for his coming. And the end result will be 
being cast into the eternal fires of hell. But when we do, as St. John writes in his first epistle, and say the same thing as God says about ourselves and our sin, when we acknowledge and confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints and to be admired by all those who believe because our testimony among you is believed in that day. But it also tells us that if we say we have not sinned, we're lying, we're deceiving ourselves, the day will come upon us unawares, we will suffer God's judgment. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so the way to be ready is to be examining ourselves with God's word, acknowledging our sins to the Lord and looking to him for forgiveness and mercy. Jesus said in John chapter 5 at verse 24, I don't know if you notice this, but I always notice this, where it says in the last hymn we sang in verse 3, a book is opened then to all, a record truly telling what each hath done, both great and small, when he on earth was dwelling, and every heart be clearly seen and all be known as they have been in thoughts and words and actions. I don't know about you, but I really don't want that page of the book to be open. I don't want it to be read aloud. I don't want it to be said, you know, every thought that I've had, every evil action that I did, every way that I failed God's commandments. It warns, and woe to those who scorn the Lord and sought but carnal pleasures, who here despise his precious word and love their earthly treasures. With shame and trembling they will stand, and at the judge's stern command to Satan to be delivered. This is forever. This is not just for a few years or for a short time. It is forever to stand condemned. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So when we acknowledge our sins and confess them to the Lord and look to Jesus for mercy because of his death on the cross in our stead, 
Our sins are indeed washed away. They're blotted out of God's book because they've been paid for when Jesus suffered and died on the cross. And so there won't be any need to read them. And even if they are read, it'll be canceled all out because paid for by the blood of our Lord Jesus. Because only in Jesus do we have forgiveness and life. And in him, through faith in his name, there is no condemnation. And so again, in the words of our Lord Jesus, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time, you know, your hearts are overweighed with carousing or eating and drinking and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. Because it's going to come upon the whole world as a snare, as a trap. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be able or that you may account, be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand, to stand forgiven, righteous and holy before the Son of Man. And that is through faith in Jesus and his cross. God grant that to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. I ask you to please stand. The peace of God which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Continue our worship by bringing forward our offerings.
I ask you to please stand and join in the prayers of the church. Almighty and everlasting God, the heavenly bodies give signs, the nations are in chaos, the seas are roaring, the hearts of men are failing, and these things all point to the coming of the Son of Man. Strengthen our hearts to lift up our heads and rejoice in the coming of our redemption in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grant us repentant hearts to turn from our sin and so stand before him. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty and everlasting God, you lead your people as a shepherd leads his flock. Look down upon your church in mercy. Grant health and wisdom to Bishop Heiser, the pastors of the diocese and our own pastors. Send your Holy Spirit upon us that we may be wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus and demonstrate brotherly love within our congregations and to the world around us. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty and everlasting God, preserve our baptized children that they may constantly be nurtured in the hope of our redemption at Christ appearing. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty and everlasting God, in the midst of strife and conflict and wars and rumors of wars, remind us that you have given all authority in heaven and earth to your Son, our ascended Lord. Call to faithfulness the leaders of the earth and bless those who govern. Thwart those who would hinder your reign among all peoples that peace may be established in every place. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty and everlasting God, your Son is Christ, the Son who rises with healing in his wings. Shine the light of Christ upon the sick, those who suffer loss and persecution for the sake of your name, those whose hearts are heavy with grief, and all who have requested our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, almighty and everlasting God, you have taught us to lift up our heads when we see the coming of the Son of Man. Even now, your Son comes to us in his supper. Grant that all who commune this day Partake of Christ's body and blood in faith for the forgiveness of all their sins. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty and everlasting God, grant that we may be kept in joy and sustained in hope through every trouble and trial of this mortal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 310, By Table I Approach.
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, and when he had given thanks he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. This do as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
may this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. Take ye, this is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given unto death for all of your sins. And may God bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take also and drink, this is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, poured out for you for the full and free forgiveness of all of your sins. Now I ask you please to stand. May this, the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen.
give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. We give thanks to thee, Almighty God, that thou hast refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we beseech thee that of thy mercy thou wouldst strengthen us through the same, in faith toward thee and in fervent love toward one another, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. You may be seated. We close our worship by singing hymn 309, O Jesus, blessed Lord to thee.
Welcome to all of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, the announcements are in the back. We have our December uh, congregational meeting. I don't know if we have any items really to be taken up today. Just a, just a few, maybe. Budget discussion. Budget discussion. Okay. And uh, so we have that following our service now, and then following that, a potluck dinner. Uh, I will try to get a Advent devotional type thing like I had last week online before Wednesday so that you have it to use for our Advent service. And uh, actually the numbers of downloads was greater than the number of people we've had attending service. So maybe maybe we're reaching a few few people that way that wouldn't be able to come. Uh, though I hate, to, I hate to miss gathering together around the word. Uh, second Saturday brunch is already next Saturday. So you ladies are planning to meet, so. And then uh, trying to think what else. Just uh, a word about the Bible, Sunday morning Bible class, we're in the Gospel of Luke. We're looking at the accounts that we're discussing also on Wednesday evening from Luke chapters one and two. And then uh, our midweek Bible study will resume in January, and I think we'll take up Colossians. Anything else? Any other announcements? If not, uh, God's richest blessings to all of you. Sorry about the low voice. I'm actually feeling pretty good today. It just takes a while to get out of my voice. So I can sing lower today. <laughs> blessings to you, then. Thank you.